This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue of Flurry of DC Minis, Marvel is all new, all different, Arkham Knights for a caped crusader, Dirk gently does his thing, Tony Chu eats some stuff, and who is the plague doctor? Plus, Atari Force is back, and all 19 of us fans are really thrilled. And the year 2000 rears its ugly head in the form of Emperor Joker. Whom I would still vote for over most of my current legislature. Get ready to dance for the devil in the pale moonlight, faithful spoilerites, because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 632, the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing this episode with a friend. And thank you, everyone, who shares those five-star reviews with us on the iTunes. We really appreciate that. Keep it up, everybody. And someday we'll be... I don't know. <laughs> you sounded like Dr. Nick for a second. Keep it up, everybody. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, San Diego Comic-Con is kicking off uh, today, tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this episode. Hello, future people from And Dr. man, Nick. is it crazy times. I, you had a comment. Matthew and I recorded. Uh, you can also listen to our dueling review of Archie Please Comics do. number one, which is really fantastic, uh, the podcast and the comic. Uh, but Matthew, you made a comment about it. Seems like we've gotten all of the uh, the press releases already. It seems like we've gotten at least half of what I expect the news to be already now, which is fascinating to me. As far as you know, I, and I kind of understand it, and I think you had explained it as with all of the other media and the other you know pop culturey stuff and mm-hmm. the Kardashians. The, the comic people are getting their stuff in and trying to pique those uh, interests early. Well, and I, and I was thinking about it a little bit more. It's not only just the fact that, you know, you've got Star Wars and you've got uh, Batman v Superman and the movies and the TVs and the, the whatnots and the who's and the big DC panels yeah. and the big Marvel panels. If you're looking at a media outlet, not ours, yeah. because we don't, well, actually, we actually have two people uh, there at San Diego this year, but that's because they're doing side stuff. Uh, go check them out. Red shirt diary season two, just around the corner. Um, but, uh, let's say somebody like Newsarama or CBR, for example, I don't know how many they would send 15, maybe 10 to maybe 20 people that they might send to comic book uh, convention at any one time. There are 15 panels going on. And some of those people that are going are probably going to go and record interviews out on the CBR boat the big yacht that they either own or rent each year. So you've got maybe half of those people involved with that. The other half, the people involved at their upstairs booth that they're doing things. And then you have other people running around the show floor, shooting stuff or trying to go to panels. So that only leaves maybe five panels that can be covered at any one time, mm-hmm. which means if you have to decide between DC's big breaking news and boom studios announcing whatever boom studios is announcing, you're going to hit DC. You're probably going to go to DC, which means that companies like, Boom and Dynamite and Image and Valiant 
decide, hey, man, let's get all of our attention that we can a week or two ahead uh, and start releasing everything early. So Boom Studios goes out and they have 10 days to the con or whatever it is, the road to Comic-Con. And right. for 10 days, two weeks, they release all of their big news ahead of the show. Uh, Image Comics has been doing uh, Image Expo for a couple of years. And huh, how about that? It kicks off just a few days before San Diego Comic-Con. And guess what they're talking about? 25 new books coming out next year. Then you've got the new one this year, Valiant Summit, Summit, (gasps) where Valiant Entertainment went and announced everything that they have coming down the pipe. So I'm kind of wondering what big news is coming out from the San Diego Comic-Con. I heard that the guy voicing BB-88 is the guy who used to voice the Joker who wasn't Mark Hamill. I don't know. I'm just talking out my butt. Well, I guess uh, there's a couple of things. I thought I put in the thing about the Power Rangers. That, <gasps> Power uh, Rangers. That, is it Boom or Dynamite? Now I forgot which one. Uh, one of them has inked a deal for, for Power Rangers. And uh, I think that's uh, pretty cool for you, Matthew. You're probably excited about that. Um, it depends on the take. <laughs> well, I think this is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Right, which is, to be honest, one of my lesser seasons, but... Eh, it's one of those things where it's kind of iconic and they've got to do that. They've got to start yep. there, whatever they do. Boom Studios. Yeah. The That's thing like, is, you know, anytime you have a Doctor Who comic, it's going to start with the 10th Doctor regardless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the interesting thing is, while we're getting this information now that Saban and or Saban and Boom have Saban. licensed this deal together and that they're going to be doing some Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic books, my guess it's going to be 10 months before we see the first issue. I don't know. Because uh, what's the book that's coming out? Oh, man, it's just around the corner. It's just coming out. And it was announced last year at Mm Comic-Con. And the book still hasn't come out yet. Oh, it's the James Bond series, which was announced uh, that they had acquired the rights back in October. The first book doesn't come out until November. And that's the Warren Ellis book. So I'm really looking forward to it because, uh, you know, someone had, I think it was Jason said on social media, he can't wait for the actual origin of James Bond Jr. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we do know that uh, DC Comics is going to have eight new miniseries coming out in 2016. Yeah. Uh, we're getting Metal Men and Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are excited by Swamp Thing because it will be written by Len Wein. Which is amazing. He's the creator of Swamp Thing. Yes, he is. By the way, and he was also responsible for the uh, the the, the uh, crossover stories with Conway, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, Len Wein was usually part of all of it. He did the Halloween crossovers. He was half of the Crusaders Invaders crossover. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. I really Len- i I half expect Marvel to announce a new Swamp Thing or a uh, uh, Man Thing Man series thing. coming out. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. Len also created Wolverine, is mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Uh, also on the, let's team up some original creators with their projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to see Marv Wolfman take on a Raven miniseries. And yes. Jerry Conway's coming back to take a crack at Firestorm. And Mike Barr is doing Katana, whom did he, he created. He created that Outsiders. too? Okay, cool. I couldn't remember if he did that or not. And then yeah. we've got uh, Amy Chu taking on a Poison Ivy Cycle of Life miniseries. These are all going to be six-issue miniseries. And then from the uh, – uh, Aaron Lopresti is going to be doing Metamorpho. And then from the uh, – did you guys forget that these guys existed department? Sugar <laughs> and Spike are getting a series from Keith Giffen. I did not forget Sugar and Spike. Thank you very much. The Sugar cover looks Spike. really cool. 
It does, and I, I like the fact that Hal Jordan is there looking like a doofus. Anything well, that look makes at Hal Superman Jordan and Wonder look Woman. like a doofus is all right. Look me. at Superman and Wonder Woman in the waiting room. <laughs> I'm not sure. Sugar and Spike was uh, Sheldon Mayer, the same guy who did Scribbly. So I, I'm interested because if anybody can bring back Sugar and Spike, it would be Giffen. Really? Yeah. Giffen, He's really kind of hit or miss, though, lately. He is, but Giffen has the ability to take these weird concepts and kind of streamline them into the universe. I mean, it was Giffen who brought the Global Guardians from Super Friends in, and now we mm -hmm. think of Fire and Ice as, you know, core Justice League. Right. Or at least JLI members. Right, right. It was Giffen who made Ambush Bug the most popular comic in the world for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. If you can pull that off, I mean, I think you can get away... And there are people, there are hundreds of thousands of sugar and spike issues out in the world in the quarter bins of America and around the world. And I think there are people who are going to be like, wait, I remember this sugar and spike intellectual property. I just remember two cute look, look, looking doodle kids. Right. Who spoke baby talk. Yeah. And Rodrigo, what do you talk, what do you think of any of this news? Do you have something that you're looking forward to out of these uh, out of these eight? I was because when I heard like oh a new Swamp Thing thing is coming out, and then I looked at the uh, images that we had posted up on the site, it's like oh they're turning Swamp Thing into a lady. That oh wait no that's that's the Poison Ivy comic. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's the thing, and I don't know who's doing that cover. Is that uh, uh, looks Kelly? like Kelly Jones? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Who I'm not a big fan of. Here's the thing: they haven't announced the art teams for mm -hmm. any of these series yet. So these are potentially just, I mean, these are the teaser images that they're going to be showing at Comic-Con at the DC panel. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that's when they're going to announce artists, but it seems like they're still finalizing that. I don't think that, um, is it Kelly Jones or Doug Kelly? I forget which one. I don't think that he's going to be the, the series regular on that. He could be, but I don't think that that's what we're looking at right now. I Kelly think these Jones are just, is the one that I think it looks like the guy who did dead man yeah, and, and those Batman. Batman yeah. Which I hated. I'm sorry, I just don't like his art. I mean, he's a nice person, and he's got a great style. It's just not a style that works for me. Kind of like you and Humberto Ramos. Yeah, it's something where sometimes an art style just grabs you the wrong way. There are people who tell me that Steve Ditko is terrible, and I, I gape at them, but you have to accept that from their perspective, it doesn't make sense, and that's cool. I'm, I guess I'm, and Rodrigo, I, I guess I'm kind of conflicted on the Metal Men, because there are times when the Metal Men have been done really, really well, and then there are times where the metal men have just been truly, truly jerks. outrageous. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the metal men is one of those properties where I think everybody considers them to be a funny property, like not necessarily a joke property, but right, right. definitely a funny property. Right. So it it gives them both a great opportunity to be surprising, basically, you know, doing a serious take on them or putting them in an in, in interesting situations that you wouldn't expect out of like a a, a weird team. Um, and but also simultaneously it opens the door for somebody to just do them poorly, do kind of uh, so so jokes with them and, and have it not be all that great. Um, you know it's kind of they are kind of like an even more difficult to work with Doom Patrol. Yes. yes. Exactly. They are even harder than the Doom Patrol because the characters are so not unheroic, 
but weird. If you look at them, I mean, the characters are a narcissist and an idiot and a girl who is programmed to be the most sexist, girly stereotype of 1964. Well, and that was going to be my question. Have the Metal Men become anachronistic? I haven't read the new Metal Men stuff that came out of Justice League America. I think if they play them as intentionally AIs learning to be human and play off, you know, Mercury is hot-headed, oh, ha, 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 Platinum is this kind of expectation of a housewife from 1965, I think they can make it work. Oh, that was interesting. The problem is whether or not they're going to modernize them to the point where it kind of neutralizes the point of them being the metal men. I yeah, guess. yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird just seeing, uh, you know, some of these, the brave and the bold characters, uh, metal men, uh, you know, some of these characters that have been around for a long time, almost kind of getting a, uh, somewhat of a resurgence. Yeah. And I have well, a theory behind that. Ooh, what's your theory? I have a feeling that the reason people are interested in metamorpho and the metal men and firestorm and katana are because of Batman, the Brave and the Bold animated series. Could be. That's because some of the, to be honest, some of the best Metal Men stories were in <laughs> Batman, the Brave and the Bold. I thought that the the the, uh, the Doom Patrol story yeah. on Batman, Brave and the Bold was probably the best one that I had seen in a long time. And I'm the wondering Doom Patrol because had a great arc in Teen Titans a few years earlier. Years earlier. Yeah, and I'm just wondering if if people latched onto that and are like, oh yeah, the Metal Men. I remember them. they were cool. Well, here's a comic book, kids. Hey, yay! Well, you remember when we were. 15, 14. Yes, I do. In the mid 80s, all of the yes. characters who had DC had put out who had tanked in the 60s, like right. the Creeper question. and Metamorpho, mm -hmm. the Question. Eh, the Question Dr. was Fate. a Charlton Comics guy. All those 60s characters had a big resurgence in the yes. 80s and the early 90s. Uh -huh. And I think that it, it, it's that cyclical thing now yeah. where people remember the Metal Men. Because the people making comics now were kids when the Metal Men were revived when we were kids right. in the well, 80s and 90s. And, and, and really, um, Doc Magnus and the Metal Men were really good in 52 as well. That story arc was really interesting there. I, I definitely agree with you. I think that's their high-profile stuff. I, there's also the expectation in, in the age of the trade paperback mm. – when it's easy to access things like the entire Metal Men run in hardcover or all of the, the powerless Diana Prince issues that I had to bite and scratch and claw for in the mid-80s, now you can buy them direct from the publisher for twelve ninety five and have a nice copy that you can carry around on the subway. You know, I think these, these old characters are finding new life and popping up in different places Partially because they're being collected and partially because they're not tied to licenses so you can use them on TV and in cartoons and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think, honestly, I think that's a big part of it. This is a new volley, right? Mm -hmm. It's like now that you have all of these other characters tied up in potential, uh, you know, and potentially in other media, um, they're trying to A, stretch out and use other characters and B potentially fish those characters around you know there have been multiple iterations of swamp thing in other media yep. almost one of them good uh, <laughs> come on that cartoon was pretty existing yeah it, it definitely actually the best iteration of swamp thing in other media was definitely that line of swamp thing toys those are actually right? excellent they were <laughs> so were good i love those those were great 
um, lots like just such an abuse of glow in the dark plastic. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I mean, if you if you're DC slash Warner Brothers, you know, you want to kind of start getting a feel for whether you can do a Metal Man, a new Metal Man cartoon or a new Metal Man TV show or a new Metal Man movie. Right. True. Although the interest, I guess the thing I'm looking at is all the things that we've mentioned in about here was a great, uh, uh, metal men story was with Batman brave and the bold. Oh yeah. There was also a great uh, metal men story with the teen Titans. Maybe the metal men work better in other people's books than maybe as a standalone book. Uh, they, well. they can, I mean, the, you can like, I think for a long time, that's what people thought of Aquaman, but you've had throughout Aquaman's history, true, pretty decent Aquaman runs where the main characters, Aquaman and other characters aren't involved. Right. Right. Yeah. True, true. And we live in a world where Star-Lord and the Guardians of the Galaxy are the new hotness. Right. Yeah. Ten years ago, people didn't know who Star-Lord was. In the 1980s, Star-Lord kept popping up in Marvel Age so that they could keep their copyright on him because he hadn't appeared in comics in so long. I mean, it's, it's a world where they're really going to try and mine these characters, especially weird, unique characters that you can turn into something, that you could turn into a toy line that doesn't have any platinum figures and fills me with mighty rage. <laughs> are there, yeah. are there, um, are there six um, made-up metals in the DC universe? I know no. about, I know about a lot about made-up metals in the Marvel universe. Right, adamantium, so vibranium. DC universe in DC, has there's nth metal, right? There's, there's yeah, promethium. Promethium. Feminum, wow. right? If you want to, like, yeah. they've they've written that out, but let's just, for the sake of argument, I, use that. I think you do can you make think, the argument for feminine. Do you think that you could have you could write a a metal man story in which, like, they get discarded for made up DC universe metal versions <laughs> of themselves, and then they have to fight them, and it's like so much harder because they're so much more powerful? <laughs> I think that's yeah. that's the metal man run I would write. I I. I I guess if there was a series that I was hoping would come back, but probably will never come back for a very specific reason, is the the Ray with uh, Raymond uh, Terrell right. from the 1992 series. Because the, I thought that was uh, really, really 90s. fun. Well, not only because it's the 90s. Here's the reason why they won't bring it back. Okay. Created by Jack Harris and... Joe Quesada. Who... Is the GE CEO and editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. Yes. So why would we put money in his pocket... By bringing back that character. <laughs> well, there have been three more rays since then, as I recall. Uh, yes, they, yes. But I, I'm just specifically thinking if, if we're going down this memory lane of, uh, of series, that ray yeah. series for what it was for, from, you know, the cool helmet. Yeah. The cool helmet all the way. What did that run? 20 issues or something. I want to say more than that. It might have touched on the forties. It went a while. There was the initial six issue series, right? Which was the new hotness for a minute. Mm -hmm. And then they launched the series and he joined the Justice League and there was a whole big thing. Then he did a solo series from 94 to 96. So 28 issues is how long. 28 issues. Okay. With uh, our main man, Howard Porter, doing the art on that. Yep. Howard but, Porter and then somebody writing it. Uh, Christopher Priest. That <laughs> was that was an awesome series, especially right at the end. But I just think because of the Casada connection, they won't bring it back. It is it is interesting. There have always been politics in comics, right? And oh yeah. Prior, it was a lot of the politics was is this character way too similar to that character from that other company? Mm -hmm. But 
current like what's current comic politics are unique because there's some intra company politics. Oh yeah. Um you know we see that a lot with we see it with Marvel, right? Aren't they have they officially said that they're putting the Fantastic Four in their own universe and the X-Men in their own universe we and don't, like segmenting them We off. don't know what's going on with um, with mm-hmm. Marvel or the Fantastic Four post-Secret Wars, but we do know that there are X-Men mm-hmm. uh, post-Secret Wars. Well, in fact, if we look here, let me look at the uh, picture. I know uh, there's an Old Man Logan series coming out. We've um, seen The Thing as a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Okay. At least in the preview material, and I want to okay. say that Sue Richards uh, was an agent of Shield, or is going to have been an agent of Shield. Okay, and I don't see her on the cover of A Force. It is it is interesting to see because if if somehow you're not paying attention to the movies, which would be very mm-hmm. difficult, right? It yeah. is weird to see which comics get slid to the front and which ones get kind of called back. Mm-hmm. Which, if you are following only the history of comics, makes zero sense, right? Yeah. Right. But it's right. all of these outside forces that are kind of shuffling uh, what's, well, what's hot around. You know, Fantastic Four movie doesn't come out for another couple of weeks, but I guarantee you it will make more money in its four-week run than all of the Fantastic Four books put together in the last year. Oh, sure. sure. So if you're saying, hey, where's all the money going – yeah, it's going to go to movies and merchandising and all those kinds of things. So, yeah, I can see somebody being a little bitter saying, well, they're just taking all of our intellectual property and making millions of it. Why should we, you know, support it any further kind of stuff? I can see that. Even though they're making money, it it's very petty. But I can see, especially with The Ray, DC saying, oh, no, that was a Casada creation. We're not doing anything with that. I could be wrong, but that's just my feeling is no way, well, no how. Well, and it doesn't even ever have to be articulated because there's a thousand, hundred thousand DC superheroes that right, can right. be pushed yeah. forward, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd never heard of Sugar and Spike. I'd literally never heard of them. It is, oh, it is stuff. like, what's that stuff was like in the 50s and 60s? Sugar and Spike ran like 120 issues from like the late, late 40s to the okay. early 60s. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's way one of those way far buried deep kind of things. Yeah. Right. It was one of those things where DC's bottom sellers were only selling like 250,000 yeah. <laughs> copies a month. So, you know, you don't, you don't hear about it as much historically, but mm-hmm. sugar yeah. and spike for a while has been a running gag in Keith Giffen's work too. So, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, let's flip over to the Marvel side, all new, all different future following SWA secret wars. <laughs> Are you sure it's all new and all different? Because that sure looks like well, some people uh, look I've at seen. here. We were just talking about the X Men. The extraordinary X Men number one arrives uh, <laughs> with with art by Humberto Ramos and uh, writing by Jeff Lemire, and it's got Ninety Storm with the Mohawk. Mm-hmm. It's got Old Man Logan. Mm-hmm. It's got Young Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. It's got um, I don't know who that is in the black. I'm guessing that's the. I don't know who that the is. the black and gold. What are we yeah, looking yeah, at? Yeah. Extraordinary? extraordinary. Is it under E or X? Uh, just scroll down. It's on the left it's side. An, it's an E. It's an E. That looks e. like so Nightcrawler. Yeah, Nightcrawler, Iceman, kind of. Cyclops. I think, think the girl, the blonde-haired girl with the with the yeah, cleavage is magic. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You can kind oh. of see her soul sword there. Oh, okay. So the, those are got, your all-new X-Men. That's probably Jean Grey. Yep. Colossus, looks like a Colossus. And Iceman. Yeah. Your Guardians looks like the, Baby Jean and Baby Colossus. Or Baby yes. Iceman. Yes. Your Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. have uh, Groot. Star-Lord, The Thing, as you said, Venom, yep. um, Drax, and Rocket. Yep. No Gamora. Hmm, and interesting. A, a, a Star-Lord 
with a ponytail. A star. Oh, lady. with a yeah, that's right. That is a ponytail. That's right. So there you go. There's. You th- oh yeah, that is right. Kitty Pride is the new Star Lord. Uh, Howard the Duck uh, continues with Chip Zdarsky and Joe Quinones. Uh, Howling Commandos of Shield. There is your Man Thing. Yep. And uh, what's what's the uh, guy? He's also part of the original Groot monsters uh, from outer space. What is that guy? Uh, that may be taboo. I can't remember. I think that is. I find it interesting though. There's Manphibian, Dum Dum Dugan. I think that's a the guy in the lower left is either Warwolf from the original Howling Commandos and original. I mean the '90s version, mm. or Jack Russell. Yeah, Werewolf nah. by Night. Werewolf by Night. Yeah. Werewolf by Night. Uh, I think that's Hit Monkey. Is that a on, scroll? Uh, if you look on on Man Things Back, I think yeah. that's Hit Monkey. Yeah. I think that's the Abomination or Teen Abomination on the right oh, from boy. the new Iron Man series. Cool. Um, that may be the Invisible Woman. Did she have beans for dinner? Or is that no? She had a motorcycle. Oh, okay. Room, room. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's it's a zombie wire. at the forefront. Oh, okay. Uh, Invincible Iron Man has Brian Michael Bendis uh, writing on that uh, with, uh, I can't see who the, uh, David Marquez doing the art. Uh, Karnak number one continues uh, from Uh, the series. Six issues of of Warren Ellis. (laughs) Yeah, could be. Miss Marvel has a brand new writer, uh, G. Willow Wilson, uh, going up on that. That's the same writer. Oh, no, that is the same writer. Oh, I'm thinking of uh, Miss Marvel has got a new. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel has got the new. Yeah, yeah. Uh, New Avengers. Mm -hmm. Nova. Old Man Logan. Songbird. Oh, is that who that is? Songbird and Amadeus Cho are joining the new Avengers. There you go. I told you, isn't, isn't, uh, isn't Amadeus Cho the uh, new is Hulk? Is that Squirrel Girl? Yep. Yep, that's Squirrel oh Girl. Oh, my God. It's Oh, I'm buying that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no you're right. Is it all new, all different when we're bringing in Old Man Logan? Uh, it depends. I mean, all new, all different may have different meanings to everybody. For Marvel, I think it means this is a number one comic. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's definitely all different, but yeah. not all new. Right. Uh, it's just a takeoff on your uh, X-Men all new, all different 19. Sure, sure. We have Giant, Giant that is one pregnant Spider-Woman. Yes, it is. We have Silk coming out. We have Spider-Gwen Spider-Man with uh, Miles Morales. We've talked about that before. Spider-Man 2099, Spider-Woman, The Amazing Spider-Man, and I think that's all the Spider-Mans that I see in the list. There is a Star-Lord oh, number one. There's like all this, there's Web Warriors, which is oh, all yeah, of that's the Oh, yeah, right. that's right. That's Web Warriors. I forgot about that. There is that's Star-Lord the, with Peter Quill. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder if there's going to be two Star-Lords. There is the Mighty Thor, mm-hmm. which continues with the... Um, uh, Doctor, what's her name? Shh, Jane Foster. Yes. Looks like she still has cancer, though. Well, yeah, that was the last thing we saw in the old series, and then we cut to Well, the but I thought maybe, you know, Swa would have taken care of all of that. No. No, 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 no. Swa is going to be like New 52. It's going to take care of the things that don't work. <laughs> uh, like, you know, you're going to have things like Venom as a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy still. Yeah. But if you have something goofy like, uh, I don't know, Magneto and Sabretooth fighting together. Wait, they have that crap. Yeah. Um, well, you there's really f- nothing I can say because anything that I think of, hey, how about a bunch of alternate universe spy? Nope. They got nope. That. They got that too. We also have uh, Uncanny X-Men coming out with Colin Bunn and Greg Land doing the art on that. So Uncanny and Humans seems to have a human torch on the cover. Yep. So maybe we're not getting rid of the Fantastic Four as... 
uh, individuals, but perhaps as a team. We've also then got again, Venom. Uncanny Space Avengers Nine. also has a Human Torch on the cover. Interesting. Ooh. Are any of these the ones? I mean, we've kind of talked about some of the ones that stand out and are interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any one that you're most looking forward to over all else? I think for me, the things that I'm looking forward to are the continuation of things that I've already decided I love. Mm. Like Silk. Yeah. I'm looking forward to more Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to more A-Force. I'm looking forward to Contest of Champions, I think, is the first thing that I'm like, wait, what? I don't know what this <laughs> is, and maybe I want to see that. I think Amazing Spider-Man is going to be fun as Peter goes to Japan. That'd be and I hope he gets a giant robot. Uh, looking at that Nova cover, I thought for a moment that Richard Ryder was back. I was pretty psyched for that, and I don't think it is. Rodrigo, what about you? Um, I am just looking at the covers, interested in a new Spider-Man 2099, mm-hmm. <laughs> although I don't know anything about it. Oh, yeah, we don't know anything about any of these yet. Uh, Jerry Conway's uh, taking on Carnage. The original writer's on 2099, so... Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see the Spider-Man of the future of 2016 <laughs> instead of the future of 1999. <laughs> He's the Spider-Man of tomorrow, today. Yeah, because it's almost today. Yeah, pretty much. And I'm puzzled by this new Squadron Supreme. I might be interested in that because from what I understand, it's not the Squadron Supreme that we know. Mm. But it's a collection of various Squadron Supreme members, and the blur is the blur from the new universe DP7 from 1986. Interesting. Yeah, because he's my favorite blur. <laughs> so Interesting. I'm sold on that. Cool. Well, we will find out. Uh, they don't have a release date, but uh, to be honest, I think all of this stuff is coming out in either October or November. Mm-hmm. Just because of the way solicitations are coming up, and the next round of solicitations in previews will arrive – uh, next week following San Diego Comic-Con and those will be two months from now. So that will be uh, September, October. Yeah. So it'll be for November releases as uh, October, November releases is my guess. Cool. By the That's, way, I was really, I was really hoping with these, that these things we were seeing were the actual covers mm-hmm. like with the title in black and the, Oh yeah, no, that would be actually I, cool. No, this is just yeah. SDCC stuff. Yeah. Actually, what issue of SWA are we up to? Matthew, that'll tell us. Four just came out. Oh, so we've got four more. Is this weekly or I don't know that it's, I can't remember if it's bi-weekly or. So whenever SWA is done, that's when these new ones will arrive. I'm saying. I'm going to say bi-weekly just because I like to talk out my hat. There you go. All right. And finally, happy news for Atari fans. Yay, Atari Force, Atari Force. Yeah, well, (laughs) Atari has inked a deal with Dynamite Entertainment to bring some of its popular games like Centipede, Crystal Castles, uh, Star Raiders, Asteroids, and yes, Atari Force. Atari Force! Into comic book form. Uh, So the cool thing is, originally, this is the way that the deal goes down. Um, In the original deal, Dynamite will re-release some of the original comics, including original Atari Force stuff. Then the agreement also allows them to um, create new content and graphic novels uh, as they see fit. So Atari Force, yes. 
Atari Force, yes. So it's time for me to do that hero history of Atari Force. Didn't you do one already? I thought I asked you one time a long time ago. I was like, You were like, can oh, you do man. one? And I'm like, I sure can. I was like, I remember, I think I've told this story before about okay. how I got introduced to Atari Force. It was the year 1982. It was the year 1982. And <laughs> I just happened to be on one of my infamous, infamous family vacations where for two weeks – we drive all over uh, this this great land of ours doing things, and that was a year that we were doing a family reunion on my father's side, and so we were all up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, going to Cheyenne Days, uh, and then we all went as a group out to some dude ranch thing where you rode around horses, and you camped out, and you did all these kinds of things. And, of course, I had some older cousins uh, all between the ages of 16 and 18, and uh, fairly attractive cousins at that. And one of the dude ranch oh, boys, Steven. one of the dude ranch boys okay. got kind of sweet on one of my cousins. And I was just following around doopy doopy doo as a little, you know, 12 year old does. Actually, I probably would have been 11 if it was 1982. And uh, we go back to their dormitory or whatever it is that they're staying in. And he's got an Atari. And uh, I open up this thing and there's an Atari Force comic on the inside. And it's one of these little miniature comics. The mini comics that came with the book. Yes. And I was like, came with Atari. I was like, what is this? And I was reading through it. I was like, this is awesome. And the guy's like, oh yeah, yeah, you can, uh, you can take that Atari force with you. In fact, you could go take it back to your, uh, to your camper right now and read it if you want. I'm like, okay, thanks dude. Derpy derp. Ah, (laughs) And then I go back and I didn't catch hell, but an hour later when my cousin came back, she sure as heck caught hell. So, uh, <laughs> here's Steven. here's how you get rid of the little kids <laughs> feed them atari force comics and i didn't know that this was an ongoing thing i thought that this was just a i thought this was just something with atari so for years i was wanting to find out where the rest of the atari force was right and uh only did years and years and years later atari force was awesome so that is my introduction to atari force do you know what Atari Force stands for? I don't remember. That was 1982, Atari, man. This is rem- great. Atari in the Atari Force comic stands for Atari Technology and Research Institute. Force. No. that's th- But that's just the thing. Atari oh, yeah. stands for Atari oh, yeah. and yeah. some other stuff. It's like a recursive acronym, and then your brain explodes, and Captain Kirk wins and, and saves your planet. And well, Atari Force wasn't the greatest of all comics, let's put it that way. You for the, shut your But listen, mouth. for the time period, it was incredibly diverse. It was. They intentionally made sh- so. They made sure that their team was super diverse, and I thought that was cool. And then when the new series came around and DC did the 20 Years Later series, <sighs> you know what? You laugh, but it was good. I wasn't laughing. I was. They had aliens. It was like Legion of Superheroes. Only yes, it was. It was exactly like Legion of Superheroes, only slightly dumber. <laughs> I, I'm just interested to see because I don't ever remember. Maybe Rodrigo, maybe you do. A comic based on Yar's Revenge. No, the Atari Force pamphlet. Yes, the actual mini comics that that came, I had. Well, you have one of them. I do. The original Atari Force mini comics from 1982. There were five of them. There was one from Phoenix, one from Defender, one from Yars Revenge, one from Berserk, and I think maybe one from Burger Time or some stuff. I don't know. <laughs> but each, basically, each one showed the adventures of the Atari Force, drawn by Ross Andrew, Gil Kane, Mike, you know, Mike DiCarlo, Dick Giordano. These are right. big names, right? 
this is DC's editor in chief drawing this book. And I think the last one may have been Galaxian. But there were like five little mini comics, and they are super hard to find. And if you find them, ladies and gentlemen, you will be paying straight through the nostrils for them. So if if they reprint these, just rush right out in a yeah. buying frenzy is what I'm saying. Now, I know way up until the mid-90s, mm-hmm. even when I was in college, I still had the mini Atari Force, although I think the cover had come loose. It was still there. I don't, I don't think I still have that. Which cover was it? It was the black one with them all running forward. Ah, uh, so that would be number one. That was that number one, one. Yes. For, that may be the one for Yar's Revenge. I don't remember. But they made a point of tying them into the game that you were able to play while you mm. were playing the game. See. Yeah. And then you could read a comic and go, "Yeehaw!" All I remember also, is that I just remember all of the characters having some kind of role in this piece in, yeah. in the book. And the thing about it is this was at a point in DC's history where their fortunes were not on the upswing. So at the point where they put these out and they were making lots and lots of money for DC Comics, these could theoretically have been one of the things that kept them afloat in, you know, the end of the 70s and the beginning of the 1980s. Sure, 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 sure. They some good comics is what I'm saying. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to want to crank up your Twitter feeds. You're going to want to uh, be checking the Major Spoilers website multiple times per day over the next week. Because we will be updating that site faster than sometimes you can blink. And I've kind of, if you if you follow us on Twitter, at Major Spoilers, uh, I've been trying to prep you for that over the last couple of days by just not even timing the stories. It's just as soon as the story is done, it goes out. And so you might end up with like five stories in ten minutes. Um, because that's how fast it will probably come out the San Diego Comic-Con. Zach won't be doing Comic-Con this year. It's a wedding anniversary thing for him. So, um, yeah, way to go, Zach. Uh, so, uh, we'll be, he'll be busy with that, but I'll be doing it. And hopefully Rodrigo and the rest will kick in when they see something uh, pop up, but, uh, do check us out because we've got a lot of San Diego comic-con stuff going on already going on over at majorspoilers.com. There's a lot going on at majorspoilers.com. Um, what's that? Major spoilers. Major spoilers. Speaking of major spoilers, I want to thank everyone who's been using that amazon.com link. Yeah. Over at Major Spoilers. Every time you click on that Amazon button over at Majorspoilers.com and you buy something through that uh, gateway, a little bit comes back our way. It's not going to cost you anything extra, mm-hmm. but a little bit does come back our way. And right now, now would be a good time to be using Amazon because they've got Prime Days going on. And they, according to them, have more deals than Black Friday. I almost bought the other day, I almost bought a hot tub. Because they had it on sale for for half price as part of Prime Day. <laughs> Instead of $800, I could have got this thing for 350 bucks. I almost bought it. <laughs> and the best part is, the best part is, you talked yourself to the point where you're like, this is a really great deal. It I was a really great a deal. Tub. Only problem is, I don't have any space on the back porch to put a hot tub. Because the kids have got their little waiting pool set up so that they can uh, relax. The boys, they have a little waiting pool. And the other day they were floating in inner tubes mm-hmm. and just relaxing out there. And I walk out they're just, they're not splashing around. They're just laying in the inner tubes in this little waiting pool, just kicking back on. Hey, dad, what's going on? It's like, you guys, I can. Yeah, your kids, your there. kids are pretty chill. They are. They can be. And then five minutes later, they started pushing each other and then the whole fun was over. But, uh. Yeah, Amazon. go use that Amazon link at Majorspoilers.com. <laughs> Buy a hot tub for Steve. Buy a hot tub. Buy a hot tub for yourself. Look, here's a hot tub right now. If what you do it? buy a hot tub, 
Make sure that you reenact Eddie Murphy's classic James Brown celebrity hot tub party sketch from 1985. Or don't. No. Do not tell them don't. Okay. The spoilerites must listen. Uh, yeah, there's, you can buy a hot tub. Here it is right here. Here's one. What do you get for the prime? Normally $9,000. This one right. you can get for $7,500 and free shipping. Wow. Yes. That's like 40% off or something. I know, right? And just think, you could be getting 40% off using this, these prime days. July 15th is prime day is what it says here on Amazon. You go and you buy a, a $7,000 spa and a little bit of that comes back our way. You will be our hero. I, I haven't looked in a while. I mean, I never see who buys what, but um, they send us a monthly report that says, here are all the things that people have bought during the month. And uh, here are things that you might want to push in the future, right? It's like, here are the hot <laughs> items that you bought. You might want to continue to talk about these. I haven't done that in a while. I might look and see if anybody has bought a, a spa through that Amazon Prime <laughs> link. I tell you what, if somebody buys this $7,500 spa, I will give you through this Amazon link at Majorspoilers.com. <laughs> I will give you a free gold gold membership to wow. our members. Uh, members. VIP site for a whole wow. year if you buy this seventy five hundred dollars spot. You, you will have to provide proof of purchase. Yes, you will have to do that. You will do that, uh, and you can just so, send me Nate. Nate, <laughs> you're out there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's see. Uh, hey, spoiler rights. Yes. Go buy a spa. Go buy a spa. You need a spa. After a long day of karate chopping, Nate, you need to relax. Karate chopping, that's in right. Your spot. You know, he got his black belt. Wow, I have a yeah. black belt and shoes to match. No, no, he got it from his uh, martial arts uh, thing. Oh, of, well, that's entirely He different. was finally awarded it, what, like three weeks ago or something like that? Well, he had to kill five people. And yeah. best of all. He had to register his hands as deadly weapons. <laughs> I asked him that. But he's not, I guess, not a level two black belt or something. Right. Mm. But here's the cool thing. On the night that he was awarded his black belt, he took a picture of him and his gi with his uh, bl- belt on. Mm-hmm. Took a picture, and you know what he was holding? What? His major spoilers poster nice. that we have on our site. And that is why Nate is our number one major spoilers fan. You know, if you get a black belt, you are like 80% of the way to being a member of the Legion of Superheroes, True. historically speaking. True. Uh, let us talk some reviews really quickly. Reviews. We spent a lot of time with some DCC stuff, SDCC stuff. SDCC, DC, SDCC. Oh, man. Next week we can talk about the the, the ongoing lawsuit between Salt Lake and, and San Diego. Oh. The ACDC, SDCC? Yes. If you don't put the chlorine in your hot tub, you'll get an STD. So there you go. Uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Von. Detective Agency number two. Out this week by Chris Ryle with art by Tony Akins. Uh, this continues the wacky adventures of Dirk Gently as he tries to find the connection between some uh, resurrected ancient mummies, serial killers, and the wacky goings-on of San Diego. Oh, and the murderers of uh, some homeless people in San Diego. <gasps> Just in time for Comic-Con. Um, I don't know if I if we talked about this in our dueling review of Dirk Gently number one, Matthew. Mm-hmm. But I don't know Dirk comes off as kind of a dum dum. We and I did don't, mention and I, Dirk seeming like a dum dum, and I don't remember him being that way in the books. Well, he but was definitely a bit feckless. Well, and and I think that's what's going on here, and maybe he just it, it, it comes off a little bit differently in the comic book form. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he definitely plays it up, and people buy into his stuff, and uh, he runs into a soul sucking mummy, or I guess I should say, a life force sucking mummy. 
Art is fine. The story is fine. Uh, it was fun adventure. I just have a little, I guess I have a different memory of the way Dirk is portrayed both from the books and the BBC TV series than what I'm seeing in the, in the uh, comic. Not to say that it's bad. It's just a little bit different, but I'm still giving this four slices of meatloaf out of five. Dirk wow. Gently's Holistic Detective Agency number two. Go and support this book. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Matthew, what do you have this week? Is this the I final have. issue? Is this the final issue? No, but this is a big climax uh, arc ending issue of Chew, Chew number 50. Uh, according to the text page, they have another 10 issues and another Poyo special before Chew is wrapped up. So mm, I think Chew is Poyo wrapping special. up with issue 60. Yes, the Poyo special, really good if you get it with the beans. Chew number 50 is the fight we've all been waiting for. You Are, are you familiar with the Chew? I am familiar with the Chew and the Seba paths and all that stuff. Yep. Tony Chu is a Sebopath, and he is not the only Sebopath in the world. Another Sebopath, the Collector, who seems to be a vampire, has been basically going head-on for a huge confrontation with Tony. And issue 50, this uh, Sebopath, the Collector, who has collected the powers of other people who are like Sebopaths, uh, like uh, the guy who is able to craft mashed potato golems, or the guy who gets super strength by wearing spaghetti on his head, he has collected these powers, but Tony is here to kill him. And that is his first line in the issue. I told you, I am going to kill you, says Tony Chu. And then it turns into a fight. And we discover what his sister told him some time ago, the secret to how he is going to defeat the vampire. Do you know what that secret is? What's the secret? You have to eat Boyo. Um. For many, many months, I have had a frustration about this book. And the frustration that I've had is we have a protagonist and then we have secret agent Poyo, who is the most awesome character ever. Yeah. Didn't he go to hell and became uh, who the, is, the king of hell or something? He's not the protagonist. Of the story. No. And I'm like, why is the protagonist this guy when Poyo is so awesome? And the reason is a Sipopath can not only gain memories, but skills and abilities. Interesting. And so Tony shows up to fight him. And this gentleman, uh, the vampire, the collector, is showing all the powers. Uh, the Panios and Griscar can grow claws <laughs> and the Sibo and Valescor has superhuman strength and the Sibo in can d identify weaknesses. And then of course there's uh, the one guy who can uh, eat spinach and get superhuman strength. Uh, actually that's Popeye. But throughout this issue, there's this list of the things that the collector can do and you know, the regular asides and recipes and things that are so wonderful. And then Tony starts getting in his hits and and the collector's like, how can you do that? And Tony walks forward, and it's got one of the little things that just says, Poyo is just really, really badass. <laughs> and, of course, there's some fighty-fighty, and somebody loses, and somebody dies. And I'm not going to tell you who loses. I'm just going to say, uh, check the name on the water tower, kids. You, you, you might have a hint. But then the really weird part of the issue starts. Oh, because okay. Yeah, things get weird. This this combat is beautiful. It's like 20 pages of this wonderful conflict and interaction, and then it just ends. And then we get a, an epilogue where we see the collector in hell 
spending eternity under the thumb of the new boss of hell. Poyo! Yeah. And then a, car, a, a little thing that says, disclaimer, this doesn't happen. This is just speculation about what might be happening so that you won't be crushed when you see the actual epilogue of the book. <laughs> and the final page epilogue is stun. I mean, it's, it's a heartbreaker for me. And I'm, I'm not a regular chew kind of every month reader. I catch it in fits and starts. And this last page is just a punch in the gut. So Aren't I'm, they uh, all wearing black suits on the cover? Yes. Yeah, there's a reason for the, that, right? The thing about the last issues of, of comics is last issues of arcs of comics are as important to me as the first issue. And this is one where now I want to know how this last 10 issue arc is going to go and what this last page means and whether Lehman and uh, Guillory are mean enough to have it mean what it seems to mean. And it's, oh, it's cruel of them. They're hateful. They're hateful men, angry, hateful men, but they make a beauty comic. And I'll tell you just the fact that we have a, a dead Kung Fu chicken being eaten by its partner so that he can take on the Kung Fu chicken's abilities to defeat the evil bad guy. That right there, I mean, that's comics, friends. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. Four yeah. and a half slices of meatloaf for two number 50. If you haven't been following the book, don't start here. No, no, but no, no. start somewhere. At the beginning. Because this is good stuff. Uh, yeah, I was just listening to an interview with John Lehman the other day, and he was talking about how Poyo was never supposed to become as popular as he was. It's just <laughs> through the writing, he was like, after I guess after the first appearance, he was like, son of a gun. Now this character has to be super badass. Yeah. And we have to create all these one-off specials and everything mm -hmm. uh, to tell his story. Boy, it was awesome. Yep. All right. Thank you for that, Matthew. And Rodrigo. Hey. What you got? <laughs> hey, how's it going? Hey, man. Yeah. Just comics. Uh, I heard of it. Um, I'm reviewing Death Head number one from... Uh, Dark Horse. Um, so Death Head number one from Dark Horse is a comic about a bunch of different people, apparently. So, uh, you know, the cover has kind of like this plague doctor looking guy um, standing in front of like uh, this rustic building in the woods. And says, in the woods, they found a mask. At home, he'll find them. Uh. So this issue is kind of a um, an overview of uh, kind of the persons of the play. We are introduced to a handful of characters. Mm. Um, all Lady of McBucket. which... Yep, exactly. Um, all, all of which, uh, see, <laughs> are probably going to be relevant later. Um, a couple that's, uh, backpacking through the woods, um, a, a couple of, uh, Catholic school students, um, a little boy who meets a girl who, uh, has some sort of supernatural thing going on. And then finally, we're introduced to this uh, character who wears a Plague Doctor mask, but it's just at the very end. Now, if you read the solicit, the solicit takes you past this issue and what it describes. Ah, okay. So it's a little spoilery. Um, 
but it's it's not a big deal. Um, it has this comic is good. It's uh, for meeting as many people as we do. It keeps it pretty interesting. It's paced very well. Um, I really like the art, uh, which I think is by Joanna Estep. Um, it's like it's really good. I I really like it. It's very clear. Um, and there are weird things that happen, you know, like a girl has a weird psychedelic hallucination, um, a bunch of insects attack some people. There's, there's some weird stuff and it's all very good and very clear and very interesting. Um, uh, there's, uh, nothing wrong with this book. It, uh, really kind of recalls the sort of, um, creepy exciting sort of old school ec horror in mm, in a mm-hmm. in a very good way mm-hmm. um so uh i would give it three out of five slices of meatloaf and definitely i mean i think this series definitely has a chance to go up from there um you know the uh The only real complaint is that we get very little development out of any given group, but uh, my guess is, you know, from here they can take it anywhere. Right, right. a lot of so. Setup. Yeah, there's uh, basically that's the thing is not a lot of not a lot happens because there's a lot of setup, but you know it kind of opens it up. Um, so yeah, three out of five for me. Cool. For, All uh, right, Death Head. Thank you, Rodrigo, for that. And listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com and you can find all sorts of reviews over there. Some recent, some from the past, some from the very far past. Some from movies, some from TVs, and a whole lot more. It's all over at Majorspoilers.com. Now we come to the new segment of the show where we go, hey, you, listener, fan of Major Spoilers, what are you looking forward to this week? And this week we go, uh, we get a little message from a blast from the past, Stacy B, as he tells us what he's looking forward to. Hey, guys, this is Stacy Boyer. What are my top three books I'm looking forward to picking up this week? Well, the first one is going to be Star Wars Lando number one from Marvel Comics. Charles Soule's the writer on this one. He did Death of Wolverine a little while back. And Alex Maleev is the interior artwork. Uh, he was done the, the Spider-Woman series. It looks to be a really good book. It's going to be picking up with Lando before he became the Cloud City Administrator. And he's going to be in the process of trying to steal this very valuable starship, and nothing's going to go right for him. So it shows that that little bit more of a side that does not have to do anything with the Empire or the Rebellion, because he's not a member of the Rebellion at this point. Really looking forward to that one. The next one I'm looking forward to is called Strange Fruit from Boom Studios. J.G. Jones and Mark Wade are co-writing this one with J.G. Jones doing the painted interior artworks. It takes place in Chatterley, Mississippi in 1927, right as the Great Flood of 27 is happening. And it tells the story of, of a little town that used to be a plantation town and the racial tensions and interactions between the white townspeople and the black townspeople and how they're reacting with each other during this time of crisis trying to shore up the levees in the middle of all of it there's a fiery messenger that comes down and starts to change everything for everybody wade is saying that it's not exactly a superhero story it's more science fictiony uh having seen some of the pages for this one J.G. Jones' painted artwork is just beautiful in it, and the script for it looks real good. I love it when writers can write in 
these dialect of the characters that they're writing for and Wade's from Alabama. So he kind of gets it and I'm from Mississippi and I really like the fact that this is a story set in Mississippi. My third book is actually not a comic book. It's a hardback book called Monster Match, The Creepy Cookie Monster Craze in America by Mark Voiger. Tomorrow's Publishing puts this out, and if y'all are familiar with Tomorrow's Publishing at all, they have a great track record of putting out documentary-style books that are really informative, lots of nice artwork, great layouts. This one actually covers the time period in America from 1957 to 1972 when the monster craze was really big and you had like the creature feature shock tv the adams family the munsters ben cooper masks uh the top stone mask just the whole monster craze was going wild um i'm really a fan of that time period i have some old uh ben cooper masks myself i love the old horror host concepts and the ideas that they used to do back then it just looks like it's going to be a really great read it's a nice big thick hardback i've seen some of the interiors on it and they have like interviews with uh the monster characters from the monsters interviews with adam's family people articles just covering all types of topics from that time period and that's really one of those americana books that really are nice to pick up when you get a chance And that's all I got for this week. Um, Y'all take care. Be safe. Pick up your comics. Later. Thank you for that, Stacey. And listeners, if you want to get in on this action, reach out to me. Podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And uh, I'll let you know what you need to do. Reach out to Steven. Reach out. He'll be there. Reach out and touch someone. Reach out and just say hi. He'll be there. At podcast at Majorspoilers.com. That is right. And I'm also still very interested in talking with Star Wars fans, people who saw Star Wars in the theater for the very first time when uh, the 77 version was released. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about that. And what I need you to do is in one paragraph, podcast at Majorspoilers.com, mm-hmm. tell me what made the movie stand out for you. Why was this the most incredible life-changing uh, event for you? Or maybe not. You could do it for Empire Strikes Back. You could do it for um, uh, whatever the first, the uh, Phantom. Return of the Jedi. The Phantom, whatever it was. The Phantom plot. Yes, the Phantom Menace. Just do that. And I'm very interested. I've had a couple of you write in already, and I'll be getting back, and I've already responded back to you. But uh, I want to sit down and do an interview with you for something I'm working forward to, uh, getting close to the release of the uh, Star Wars movie. So please do that. Uh, Thank you very much for that. Did I tell you the story of how my friends Kelso and Hyde and I went and saw Star Wars, but my girlfriend Donna broke up with me that night? I think you've been watching too many reruns on uh, the FX channel. It could be. Let us get to the major spoilers poll of the week. Um, week, 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 week. So there's this Batman Arkham Knight game that's come out. Looks really cool. Is how that's pronounced. It is apparently the final in the Batman Arkham's whatever's line. Of video games. Right. A lot of people grabbed it. I grabbed it. I was interested in playing it. Pre-ordered it like a year ago, it seems like. Have not had a chance to play the damn game. <laughs> uh, of course, that's also the case with, uh, what is it, The Witcher 3. Yeah. That one's sitting there in the pile of, someday you will get to play this. But I uh, haven't got to play that yet. Have you guys uh, checked out Arkham Knight and have you played it yet? That is the question this week on the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. Matthew, you don't have a PlayStation 4, so I'm guessing you are a no. I don't care for the aesthetic of the oh, that line, the that... video game Batman, yeah. because 
I mean, if, if, if you flat out say Batman doesn't use guns, but massive cannons on the Batmobile are okay, <laughs> I have, first of all, no PlayStation 4. And second of all, a little cognitive dissonance. Now, again, if he was a, like a psycho killer from Europe like Nico Bellic, I might be interested. But, uh, I mean, yeah. Um, so it's not like a, a huge thing, but that's the excuse I use for not having any money. And when I say PlayStation 4, I mean, Matthew typically is a PlayStation guy, but also it's yeah. available on Xbox and PC and all that kind of stuff. My PlayStation 3 has its uh, fifth yellow light of doom, but I have backed up all my information and I'm thinking I'm going to upgrade to a PS3 Slim because they're on sale now that the fours are out. Ooh, I had a PS3 Slim and I gave it to Rob, I think. PS3 Slim was also my cowboy name uh, <laughs> when my, I worked at, at Pioneer Village. It was my country western name when I went up yeah. uh, the rising charts at the uh, Dude Ranch in 1982. That's right. Yep. With my Oh, go ahead. <laughs> my song was called I Can't Get Over You Baby, So Why Don't You Turn Off the Lights? <laughs> I was going to I I thought I thought You're maybe horrible. the PS3 Slim Slim was your uh a sniper rifle of choice during Desert Storm. <laughs> That's good, too. I also had a flip side on that record, Stephen. It was called I Got Tears in My Ears from Lying on My Back and Crying Because You Left Me All Alone. It was okay. a good song. All right. Nobody I think would play you just it. sang half of it. There you I go. did, actually. The rest of it's just Mike Nesmith guitars. It was hard to get Mike Nesmith, so what I did was I just recorded one of his songs and sung really loud over the vocal track. <laughs> so, you know. Rodrigo, what about you? Uh, I'm kind of with Matthew on both accounts. One, not having a uh, console that can play this, but also not ever having been interested in the Arkham uh, series of games mm. because I'm already not uh, the biggest Batman fan. <gasps> mm-hmm. And um, so from there, like, if you're like, well, you have to play a something that has to do with Batman. There are iterations of Batman that I like a lot more. And this this is like, I don't know, the Arkham uh, game line stuff is just like almost the worst possible Batman. It's like um, the personality of the Dark Knight Batman without the personality of the art style of the mm-hmm, Dark Knight mm-hmm, Returns Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, nah, I'm just so not interested. There's just a little armored murder Batman to the visuals that worries me. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, and uh, I like, I don't know. There's like, the thing about Batman villains is that they are ridiculous. Right. They are weird and ridiculous. And when you mute them down, when you have um, these characters that normally wear these ridiculous garish colors, um, you know, wear like shades of like uh, at 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 its brightest, like a hunter green. Right. Like it just, you know, I don't know. It just uh, takes a lot out of it for me. There's already a fine line between Batman and Jigsaw from Saw. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there there's a point where just you know, looking at the image, it's a great looking image, and I'm like, that's that's amazing visual work. But my God, look at that Batman. He's all. Yeah, yeah. Razor edges and armor. Well, he that's, not, well that's not that's, Batman. That's yeah. the Arkham Knight. That's like oh, the pretender oh, Batman, yeah. which is part of the storyline. But right. yeah. Oh, okay. That's probably a Harvey Bullock then. Yes, definitely. You can tell by the uh, buff build that that is Harvey uh-huh. Bullock. It's actually yeah. uh, Patsy Walker. Patsy Walker. Yeah. <laughs> Patsy Walker or Jughead Jones. We're not sure which. 
All right. So you said no. Matthew said no. I said I've got it, but I haven't played it. Danielle says it's a uh, it's a pretty solid story, especially if you like the Bruce Timm, uh, Paul Dini work on Batman the Animated Series and Batman Beyond. It's basically Batman's greatest hits album. There's some really twisted turns and shocking moments, but if you're a Batman fan, you probably already know who the Arkham Knight is, and you don't. And if you don't, they telegraph it pretty darn well. Mark says, I haven't played it because I don't have a console, but if I did, I'd probably play this game. Alicia says there are versions for computers. Um, let's see. But she has not played it yet. Not for a lack of interest, though. Rusty Cat says, I plan on playing this game on the PC. Ingrid says, nope, I haven't got time for such games. Zar says, too much Batmobile. Yeah, that was one of the big things about this game is the Batmobile was supposed to be a drivable vehicle. Yep. Yep. But now it's part of every quest. Is it? Ugh. Yeah, you have to drive the Batmobile across town to the Clucky Chicken and pick up your friend OG Loke and get him back to a... I think a, you're thinking of a different game. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. Armin like says, I said, I haven't played this game. My uh, Armin says, my friend had it and I spent all night on it. It's got great storytelling moments for what is overall not a great story. One that makes Ooh. me really dislike the Batman as a character. Well, there you go. I think I think it would be great if the entirety of the game was just picking people up from one location and taking them to another one. It would be intense taxi. Oh, it'd, it'd just be, be Arkham the, taxi. Bat Uber. Batman. Bat Uber. Got to take him to Arkham. There you go. Uber Bat. Uber Knight. Uber Knight. He is yes. the Uber Knight. Yes. And he's uh, played by Wayne Knight. <laughs> and that's that's what's really going to sell it. He drives across town. <laughs> There's a great gif floating around Twitter of that scene uh, from the highway one where Newman's driving and suddenly he hits the uh, sewing machine and ignites the gas and lights up in front of him and him just screaming. Ah, I love that. I love that episode. A uh, little, uh, little known fact, or maybe it's a well-known fact. I don't know which, but uh, Newman does not deliver the mail when it rains. Interesting. There you go. I'd call that a little note. Uh, how did uh, how did the rest of the major spoilers nation vote in this week's poll of the week? Well, as you might expect with a game that's been out for two weeks, three, uh, weeks. three weeks, first of June, I think it's June something. Yeah, uh, the majority of people ha- yes. are saying seventy seven percent of our voters saying no, but twenty three percent or nearly a quarter saying yes. Arkham, yes, woohoo! Eighty two votes in the bag right now. So if you have played and you haven't voted. Get over there and vote because, you know, you you guys are behind. Yeah, you are. All right. Cool. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Also, a big thank you out to our friends at Tweaked Audio. TweakedAudio.com. They sell these great little earbuds or earphones. They're great. They come in a lot of different styles, a lot of different colors. You get it in red, green, blue, black, wood, which really isn't a color. But Going to get orange? My my green is kind of like a – maybe it's a yellow. It's – I don't know. It's kind of like a (laughs) a mustard – it's like a, a oh. it's like a spicy mustard color. Like a brace, mustard. brace for brace for insensitive joke. Okay. Yeah, Matthew. Sure, you can get it in orange. Oh, you bastard! I know it's just such, so yeah. bad. Oh. I know. I just I'm never I'm speaking sorry. to you I, again. I apologize. That was that's cool. It was it was worth it. The 19 people out there going, wait, I, did I get that one? Yeah. Ask yeah. us at Nerdtacular. We'll explain that joke. Yeah. Uh, oh, I got a nerdtacular thing coming up here in just a minute. Ooh. Uh, but uh, these tweaked audio uh, headphones, earbuds, mm-hmm. get yeah. them with a the microphone. Just do it and thank me later. These things are engineered for durability. They have great noise reducing design. They don't have noise canceling design, which is great if you are walking on the road and you're walking on the wrong side of the road and you don't hear that car behind you. Noise reducing design will still let you hear that car. 
I got the parkour and I have really weird ears. I can't wear most. And I've been wearing these for the last, what, four or five months on the show. Something like that. Something like that. And they're great. Oh, you, you can know hear other things in the room and you can tell Sarah to shoosh. You know what else is great? <laughs> when you go over to tweakedaudio.com and you place your order, use the checkout code MAJOR and you'll mm-hmm. get 33% off the price. 33% off the price. That's how great our friends are at tweakedaudio.com. Tell a major spoiler sent you and use that checkout code MAJOR. Waka waka. Waka waka indeed. Uh, mm. So um, this has turned into somewhat of a Batman-centric uh, episode for some reason. I don't know how that happened. Well, I think you're involved. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how that happened. Batman on a major spoilers podcast. I know it's like crazy talk. <laughs> it's like, Next thing you know, you're going to be saying like something about the car. Um. Oh, up please, is down. Don't get black me. is white. Short is long. Please don't get me started on uh, uh, Matter Eater Lad. I was thinking about him again the other day, but don't get me started. So nerdtacular. <laughs> we have a fantastic. <laughs> we have a fantastic major spoilers listener. I think he's a big fan of Munchkinland, one of our other fine podcasts on the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. He's bringing a stack of of the game Batman Love Letter. It's a, it's a Batman letter, I think is what it's called. But it's a, if you know the game Love Letter, mm-hmm. it's the Batman version of that. And he's bringing it to, to Nerdtacular. And we're giving away a bunch of them during our Major Spoilers slash Critical Hit panel on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, so a big thanks to him. And if you're going to Nerdtacular, don't go to that wrestling panel. Come over to our panel and win yourself a copy of Batman Love Letter. Wait, I'm not allowed to go to the wrestling panel? You are not, definitely not allowed to to go to the wrestling panel. Rodrigo, we were going to go to the wrestling panel. Rodrigo is not going to the wrestling panel either. Well, definitely not if it's at the same time as a critical hit panel. That's very true. Rodrigo gets it. But we were we were going to talk about whether Atlantis could beat Macho Man Randy Savage. Well, yeah, I'm sure you can. Fight. I'm sure you and uh, Justin Robert Young could have a fascinating discussion because he's all into the wrestling. Uh, he goes to wrestling. He does a podcast about wrestling, or he does. A, I think he does a podcast about wrestling. Uh, but you two should have. He probably, a, you he should probably have a does. I think he we does. Don't I don't remember what it's called, but he'll do like some live sto- show, <laughs> like after a wrestling uh, event, and he'll do a live show afterwards. Nice. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, so yes, come to Nerdtacular. Uh, if you've already got your tickets, it's probably too late because I think they're sold out. But if you're planning on going to Nerdtacular, we will be giving away the Batman love letter game. Yep. But you're going to have to get your major spoilers thinking caps on. Yep. You may have to answer a question about why does Stephen hate Matter Eater Lad so much? And it's mm. because Stephen is a known enemy of joy. Write that mm. down. Send it no. to Major Spoiler. <laughs> no, that is not the right answer. Steven is jealous because he doesn't get to eat matter. He only gets to eat vegetables. I like vegetables. Vegetables are good. Vegetables are good for you. You know what else is good for you? What? Whatever I had this afternoon. Um, it was from Arby's. They have this new uh, bacon that's like wrapped in, in uh, brown sugar. And usually I don't care for Arby's bacon, but this was actually pretty good. Hmm. Well, may have to try that sometime. Yeah. Uh, but not until after I finish beating Zach on this bike race challenge thing. <laughs> you can do it. I am right now. How am I? He caught up to me. I decided that since he was on vacation, I wouldn't ride my bike and, and totally get too far ahead of him. Mm-hmm. But I was like 20 miles ahead of him. And then he came back 
last uh, weekend. up on you. And, and well, on Saturday, he decided to go on a 24-mile bike ride. Oh, and so he was, as of uh, Sunday, he was five miles ahead of me. Now oh. he is nine miles behind me. He'll catch you, man. He will. I'm sure this weekend, I think he's, he's pretty young. stressed. He's got a, he's trying out for a new job, oh, uh, applying for right. a new job. And I think he's pretty stressed with that. But my guess is Saturday, he's going to go out for another 24 mile bike run. Yeah. So I've got to make sure that I get out every single day and ride the bike just so I'm only three or four miles behind him by uh-huh. the uh, start of next week. So I can catch him again. You guys remember when we were young and cared about our careers? <sighs> um, not really. Yeah, me neither. Nah, nah. Hey, remember when we were young and DC yeah. Comics put out this this uh, Superman series called Emperor Joker? Originally started oh, out as uh, uh, <laughs> Superman Arkham. We were 31 when this came out, Stephen. Yeah, well, let's remember when we were 31. young. <laughs> I got to tell you, I did not read this in its original incarnation. I did. I don't know why. Maybe it was the art on the first cover. Maybe it was the fact that I didn't care that much for Superman. Uh, 31. I think it was a time frame when you said you were giving up comics. This was 1999, 99-2000 would have been right around the time where uh, an ultimatum was handed down to me, and I decided to take it for a few months and then said no. But I was also moving in 2000 and uh, Mm -hmm. had a change in venue, so I got behind quite a bit on comic books at that time. But uh, an eight-issue series running through all of the Superman books called Emperor Joker, where the Man of Steel, man, his his life flipped upside down. Yeah. He's now the supervillain who killed Lex Luthor. <laughs> it rains pies. Oh, I thought it was the, the uh, universe where all of a sudden he was sent to Bel Air. And then uh, every night something screams across the city. Ah! Yeah. yeah. If and you- the thing... The thing that's important to remember is the title of this arc was not known uh-huh. until the fifth issue came out. Right, right. It was called. It was simply called Superman Arkham. Right. It and then when the actual, I think it's like issue five. It was or issue five because at yeah. the end of issue four, yeah, uh, it's revealed that the Joker is behind everything. Right. And then the very next issue kicked off the Emperor Joker titling. On yeah, the, on and the it cover. became the the Emperor Joker. Emperor Joker was like a standalone. I want to say. A, f- a prestige format issue. Oh, was it? But I may be wrong. It was a long issue. It's like 40 pages. Mm, okay. Well, um, yeah. as you read the, yeah, as you read this <laughs> book, yeah. you feel like you are in a very topsy turvy world. You at one point feel like maybe you're in a bizarro world, but that doesn't quite make sense mm-hmm. because the, uh, if you're a fan of uh, Superman, the animated series or early Superman stuff, you see this little, uh, Mixiel Spicklick, uh, walking around the little guy that in, uh, the animated series was voiced by, um, uh, Gilbert Gottfried who would always Mix- run around just yep, screaming McGurk. Uh, he's running Where's around McGurk? trying to do something. And then uh, it's later revealed to be, you know, the 1970s version of, of Mixiel Spitalik that we know. Right. And, um, and then we find out that he got conned by the Joker into giving away 99.9% of all of his powers to the Joker. And the Joker has gone insane. And he's quickly discovering that he has the ultimate power and can destroy the universe if he wants oh. to. And, of course, then it all turns back around and becomes a Batman story. And interestingly, Superman starts the story in basically the silver and black uniform that he had at the end of Death of the Superman. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 
Which is and, interesting. And he's only able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. It's actually almost like the Joker sent him back to his Golden yeah. Age roots uh, to a large extent in his power and capabilities yep. uh, in this story. Where's McGurk? Yeah. And I, so here's what I like about this story. Mm-hmm. I like that it feels very much like they gave the entire Superman franchise over to Mad Magazine for two months. <laughs> it. Because it, it, the first four issues at least mm-hmm. read very much like a Mad Magazine. And, and in they fact, intentionally the first, reference Alfred E. Yes. Newman. Mm-hmm. As their, yeah. as their God. <laughs> yeah. It, and it, well, I mean, just little things in there, like, um, uh, Perry White is, um, is, uh, Milton Burl in drag. Yeah. There, this is one of the stories that I think gets the Joker right in that the point of the Joker to me is that he was a terrible comedian. He is a hacky comedian. He's bad and he tells stupid jokes that are pointless and that's part of the reason why he's so terrifying is he genuinely thinks he's funny, but he's not. And I like that aspect of this in that a lot of the stuff that we see are hackneyed old jokes, you know, stuff that dates back to vaudeville and, and before just really oh, yeah. stupid bits of doggerel that are are played off here as the Joker's idea of hilarity. Right. Right. And the the whole bit where it starts out with Bizarro as protector of the city, every word out of Bizarro's mouth is ridiculous and dumb, which works to the advantage of a story that wants to create a world that feels out of control and lunatic and there are no rules and everything is wacky and dumb and it's like it's like a Chuck Jones cartoon only without, you know, the fact that Chuck Jones cartoons are well written. <laughs> Um, so, and there, there are some other really great little moments that really reference a lot of Warner brothers history. Like when we were finally introduced to Martian Manhunter, he is, uh, Marvin, the Martian from, from the Bugs Bunny cartoons. I have to, I have to admit, I like that. And there's a mysterious bit in here with a character called Ignition. Yes. Who just shows up and by, uh, hang on, I have to sneeze. It's odd. Um, Ignition's uh, mysterious thing is an ongoing mystery throughout this arc. Important safety tip for Superman readers. It's never explained. No. Well, no, it is and it, it isn't. Is, it is never overtly explained anywhere in the comics. And the reason I know this is this. Now, well, this and the issues immediately after it up to the point where they nuked Topeka these are the last Superman comics that I regularly read after picking up Superman again in the early 90s. These are the books that put me off Superman in the year 2000. Well, it was the fact that you had four or five Superman titles all going yeah. on, and they came out They that came out work. once a week. Mm-hmm. And in order to follow the entire storyline, you had to buy a Superman comic every week. Mm-hmm. And then it would go for about two months, and then a new story arc would start somewhere, and you'd have to repeat that cycle again. When it comes to the writing of Jeff Loeb, there are really only two speeds. There's, I love this. Oh my God, this is amazing. And then there's the majority of writing by Jeff Loeb Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where I, I just, I'm, I'm not the target and I'm fine with that. And I don't want to, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to bag it. I'm not going to beat him up. He's not my speed. He's not my style. And this is, you know, kind of an example of a story that has a lot of promise and does a lot of good things and admittedly ends well. 
the last chapter of this story ends well. It does a really good job, I feel, of underlining the supermaniness of it. Yeah. And and reestablishing Superman as Superman, even in this world gone mad. And but I mean it there there's enough Jeff Loeb gone whoopity boo. Well, Rodrigo, what did you like about uh Emperor Joker? What did I like about Emperor Joker? Um, I guess it's like, it's, it has a lot of like weird little references. Um, and since this is a comic from the nineties, I got a lot of them. Yeah. That was nice. Um, I liked the, I actually really like those covers. Um, Oh yeah. With the the card cover. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, Playing cards were nice. They they were cool. They kind of like hinted at what was going on in the issue, you know, like thematically, not just the playing cards is like that's the hint. Right. They're playing cards. Right. Um, but also there's like a dual world kind of thing going on. There's lots of interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once the story gets past uh, wacky times. Um, for all it, uh, it really becomes an interesting story about what happens when you give, you know, infinite power to the worst possible person. Right. Right. And I did like, I did like that kind of, here's what you get when, uh, when you, uh, when you wish for something. Um, yeah. So I kind of like that aspect of the story. I, I kind of like Lois Lane's portrayal in this series yeah. as well where yeah, she's essentially Lex Luthor and she's bald and yet all of her wigs reference all of the appearances that she's had over the years <laughs> in DC Comics which I thought was funny. Yeah, so I mean that was great. Also also another interesting and entirely um you know potentially entirely uh, accidental kind of reference is that uh, Lois Lane steps in to take the Lex Luthor role, but also still the Lois Lane romantic role, which, you know, if if you've read some Superman comics and you just watch uh, Superman and Lex Luthor interact, a lot of the time you're just like, man, you just, just get a room. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. And then like, that's seriously, that I, sometimes, yeah, blah, blah, blah. He's an alien and you hate him. But I think there's some some extra tension there. Yeah. That's funny. Um, I guess what I didn't like about this story mm-hmm. is that it was eight issues long and it it's could have been or nine issues long and it could have been four. It is way too long. And the storytelling was very choppy. Now, while you're talking about Jeff Loeb, if you look, each of the issues was really written by someone else. Now, Loeb right. may have become the big architect of the the entire uh, story, mm-hmm. but you go into stuff and it's like, okay, well, this is written by someone else. And you can tell that many times there is a very distinct change in character and writing style from issue to issue. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, causes the entire read to become very jumpy because yeah. we end one issue with the Justice League finally revealing, finally coming to their senses and realizing who they are and getting back their their looks. And they're like, let's go take this battle to the Joker. And then the start of the very next issue, they're all dead. <laughs> and it's like, what happened? What is, is that supposed to happen that way? 
it, it just felt very, very, very jumpy to me. And that yeah. was probably the most, that was the one that popped out the most to me. Um, and so there was a lot of that that I just didn't care for in this book. The whole uh, Superboy, Supergirl thing could have completely yeah. ripped that out of this book and it would not have made, you know, would have made the book a lot better. And I think at the time, Superboy and Supergirl were headlining. Oh, yeah, they part, had their own. Partially headlining action comics and something yeah. else. Yeah. Um, but it, it is way too long. And it's drawn out. The first four issues make for a pretty good first chapter. And then we cut into Emperor Joker, you know, that that long bit right. where we have the reveal and the big scary and the scary scary. We have a big heroic moment. And then the next four issues are all fake outs. Mm-hmm. It's all like he wins. Oh, no, he loses. Oh, no. It's issue after issue, page after page of the story giving us. Vince Russo level swerves at one point <laughs> where the Joker is like, I just want somebody to love me. Psych. Right. And then this, just this massing concern that, oh my God, if he, uh, if he hits power level 9,000, mm-hmm. uh, the universe 9, is over. Thousand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I think that part of the biggest problem for me is that Mixius Pitalik shows up in like episode issue two. Yeah. And he's like, hi, I'm Mixie Spitlick. And then he disappears for six issues. Mm-hmm. And then when he comes back, it's like the point where Arlo Guthrie reminds you that it's a song about Alice. Right. After 10 minutes of talking about sitting on the Group W bench. Mm-hmm. it's There's a little shaggy dog story in it. I think that in an attempt to make it feel massive and epic, they may have put too many characters in it. I feel I like Harley did. Quinn takes no real role other than hey, look, we've got Harley Quinn in the real comics because this is right after she right. debuted. Right, She got a nice happy ending, though. The Justice League doesn't really have much no, of a... No, they could have been removed, a, too. Yeah. They were just there as sight gags. The, the sight gags that they represent are dumb. Yeah. Mm. Not, I mean, we're not even talking like Mad Magazine, oh, ha, ha, this is dumb, dumb. I'm talking like dumb. This is not someone trying hard to give us a dumb joke. This oh, you feels mean like a- Aqua Lung Lad didn't uh, didn't tickle your funny bone, Matthew? The flab <laughs> or uh, Wonder Woman as a fifties housewife hitting yes. people with a with a rolling pin. Yes, rolling pin, yes. Yeah. it's just the the Plastic Man as uh, oh, plastic also means a credit card. Tee-hee. Right, right. The that's, only the only one the of the Justice of League the only one of the Justice League that was great was Martian Manhunter as Marvin the Martian. And even that is a dumb gag that ends up playing out too long. Yes, I agree. So Rodrigo, I, what what problems did you have with this book? Um I mean, I would argue that it's not just the second half of this book that uh fakes you out and goes on too long. The beginning of this book does too. Oh yeah. You know, by the end of the first issue, that's when you should have had if not the Emperor Joker reveal, mm-hmm. then the this is in fact a different world and had like a moment in which everything kind of goes sane again for a little bit. Right. But we don't get that right. until much, much later. Right. Yeah. Um I, I don't know. There's just like if I had been reading this issue to issue, I would not have continued it. Like right. I'm there's a way to do a topsy-turvy world. Mm-hmm. But the problem with this one is that sometimes it lined up actually a little bit too hard. Um, 
what's who's the artist on the on the first first one? Ed McGuinness does. Yeah, it. yeah, uh, yeah. McGuinness's art doesn't help that because it's so stylized and so kind of cartoony. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you had someone who does it a little bit more realistically, then you're like, oh, things are weird. But it's like when you have a guy whose arms are both yes. the width and length of his head, like <laughs> it just you're just like, wait, it, does the fact that Superman look this way, is that part of the problem? Like, is that normal? <laughs> What is normal here? It's it's actually right. very difficult, you know, and if you're not familiar with, like, some of his other work, um, you know, specifically on Superman and stuff, it's like, oh, no, no, this is how everything's supposed to look. Mm-hmm. Right. It can be very confusing. And and honestly, a lot of the, a lot of the jokes fall flat and a lot oh, of yeah, the yeah. references. I think they're supposed to be green-worthy. Kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. but that's the thing is... There are levels of of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 and and the thing about it is, is that you don't know that it's the Joker making all these jokes at the right, beginning. right, right. If you knew that it was the Joker from the very beginning, then you'd be like, "Oh, that makes sense." The Joker's right. sense of humor is basically your grandpa's sense of humor, yeah, or it's, Matthew and I's sense of humor. It's ma- no, it's massive dad jokes on a stupid, yeah, 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 yeah. right. And, so okay, so. Uh, yeah, so the ahead. issue with that is that you end up with you end up thinking that it's the writer's sense of humor, right? Uh-huh. It's like whoever is writing this story thinks this is funny or clever because there's no point of reference. Superman exists within this world, right? He's not, oh no, I am a normal Superman from a normal world. What has happened? He is inside the delusion, and he's delusional along with it. So you have zero frame of reference for any of this stuff. Right, right. Yeah. All right, here's a big shocker uh-huh. that I didn't like. This book turned into a Batman story. Yes. yes. This, yes. The, the, the end result of this story is that even though the Joker is attempting to destroy the universe, he ends up not being able to defeat Batman because... He keeps thinking about Batman. It's 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 uh, Superman's joke. Uh, don't ever think about the the white elephant right. because now all you can think about is is Batman. Mm-hmm. And in the end, Batman uh, doesn't really save the day because there's also another big jump cut. But right. because uh, the Joker can't control his powers, he ends up losing his powers uh, because of his obsession with Batman. Right. The and- I was going to say the the other bad thing then is we find out through the book that every night all these screams that we've been hearing across the city has been the Joker right. killing Batman every night and then resurrecting him and torturing yeah. him for however long that they've been in this mad, 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 mad world. Right. And that and this is a part that got a little confusing from the story side from me. In the end, Batman has all these uh, terrors because even though the universe has been reset, uh, he still remembers everything and carries those scars. Right. And I can't. Uh, does you know the Superman and the Spectre are talking, yes. and the Spectre's like, "Well, I can make all of of Bruce Wayne's problems go away. You just have to do it." And I right. can't tell whether Superman took on all of that pain and anguish himself, uh-huh. or yep. if he gave it to the Joker because at the very he last gave, panel, no, no, he didn't do that either. Well, because the very last panel of the Joker is all curled up in an Arkham, uh, going nutsoid, and as you go into the end of that series, you see. 
the specter in the Joker's eye. And the specter is one of those yeah. characters that, aha, you Twilight Zoney outer limits, right. haha, you reap what you sow kind of ending. I think, uh, and by the way, this is the Hal Jordan version of the specter. I don't know if that matters. Oh, isn't it? Okay, I didn't pay uh, attention I, to that part. Yeah, I think I think what happens, and this is my read on that last issue, is Batman is crazy. Superman has said, I cannot kill the Joker. I'm not going to kill the Joker. But the day is saved except for Batman. I think when Hal says someone is willing to carry them in his stead, I think Superman agrees to have the Spectre transfer that insanity over to the Joker. That's what I thought, too. That's the way I read it, and that last panel is the Joker dealing with his, the madness that he put on Batman. But you didn't read it that way, Rodrigo. No, I can see that. I didn't. I didn't read it like uh, I was. I was a little too concerned with the 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 stuff that I didn't like about the ending of the story, which mm-hmm. is not necessarily that. The stuff that I definitely didn't like is the stuff that I didn't like about Red Sun. And the story that, and the stuff that I didn't like about uh, Holy Terror when, you know, it's like he suddenly finds that there's like a dead Superman somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like there's this idea that you can't have a world without a Batman and you can't right. have a Superman story without Batman and you can't, you know, like I think in this Superman literally says something like we can't not have Batman. Right. Exactly. And I'm right. just like, you can't not have a guy who runs around one city punching people like <laughs> the 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 importance that DC Comics plays on. We'll say the Trinity, although that's being entirely too generous to Wonder Woman, because yeah. in the end, she gets kicked out of the of the love fest a lot. Mm-hmm. Um but the importance that DC Comics in general places on Batman specifically mm-hmm. is honestly just obnoxious well, to me a lot of the time. And it really turns me off of a lot of stories. Well, and you know, when we did Red here. Sun, when I was like, okay, there's a uh, Russian Superman, he lands in the, and then some random guy, some completely random guy who's not even Bruce Wayne becomes a Russian Batman. Right. And it's yeah. like, why why does this have to happen and like Mm -hmm. basically as soon as batman was introduced and emperor joker i was like oh this is now a batman story yeah and that's that's the part that really sucks because you know the whole setup was oh you know i decided that i would uh give my fifth dimensional powers to someone that is not one of your regular foes so i decided to go with somebody who's crazy the joker just to see what was going on you know, okay, that's fine. That could work, providing that Superman is the one that figures out the way to defeat the Joker. He kind of does. But again, you're right. The minute that Batman shows up and you're finding out that he's killing him night after night and that resurrecting him, and then when you get to the whole end, then it's all about, I can't stop thinking about Batman. DC can't stop thinking about Batman, even in a nine-issue series that is a Superman-themed book. Here's the thing. This series contains Superman saying, you really are the best, aren't you, Batman? You're the best that ever was. Mm-hmm. No, and in, in a series full of clunkers, dialogue-wise, or as I like to call it, Jeff Loeb wrote a book, dialogue is a problem. And that line from Superman to Batman wouldn't necessarily be a huge issue, except for the fact that 
The setup for it isn't there. And it's not played out as Superman respects his colleague. It's played out as one of those moments where the writer is, it feels like the writer is speaking through the character and explaining to us why the last three issues are all about Batman. It feels awkward and it feels like they're, they're really shoehorning it in. And even in 2000, you know, Batman was, hey, he's better. Uh, must oh, climb higher. Hey, blood he still gave he still gave you a jaw, and so you can communicate with me via via Morse code. You really are yeah. the best, Batman. What? Kill yeah. him? I can't do that. I think that what kiss you, Batman. <laughs> I think that for me here the, now the the bigger problem is you know we talked about a little bit about the writing and how some yeah. of it does jump back and forth right. because of multiple writers, right? But the bigger issue with this is issue one of this arc is Ed McGinnis being all Ed McGinnissy. Yeah. And then I swear to you, Duncan Rolo and Doug Monkey and all of these guys are being told, draw like Ed McGinnis, baby, mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. the world we're in. And it doesn't work for me. I yeah. like Duncan Rolo's art. I like the art of of Doug Monkey, but when you get to a point where, um, and I, it's in the middle of one of the middle issues, I think it's the actual Emperor Joker issue, there's an upshot of Superman and Mixius Pitalik that looks like it was drawn by my 11-year-old, who, by the way, don't get me wrong, she's an excellent artist, but she's an 11-year-old. Yeah. I'm looking at this, and I'm like, what? what's the perspective on this? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's wrong. Yeah. And yeah, we get I mean, to a point where you know, I, I feel like this feels like kit bashed from an art perspective and a story perspective that we're seeing people trying to work in a style that is the same as somebody else, but yeah, they'd be better served doing their own thing. We've, we've seen that before. I don't know if you guys uh, remember that uh, gloriously terrible X-Men uh, book that we reviewed <laughs> X-Men supernovas. Like the, I remember like seeing the, the song. The, the original concept for that spun out of or grew out of kind of like the original creative team included Chris uh, Bacallo or Bacallo. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that every other artist that did that yep. just kind of like roll the dice, right? right. It's like best because, because their design, the designs of those characters don't fit on people mm-hmm. who aren't 75% nose. Right. You know? like, he does. He draws some huge yeah. noses, and it's fine. I actually really love his art. It's so weird. I really like it. And I really like, like his steampunk stuff and all that, uh, and all that jazz. But um, the – yeah, it's like it's the same thing here. It's like those original designs for what everything was going to look like come from McGinnis and his style is so distinctive that everybody else just has to like approximate it as possible and it strains the art it strains Mm -hmm. the art direction of the book yep 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 so here's my suggestion now this was you know you the listeners voted on this we gave you a selection of books we would have been happy to read them all but this is the one that came out on top barely um, and so we've reviewed it and, uh, we really appreciate it. We're going to do this continuing throughout the year. We'll have another couple of books. I'll put them up in the major spoilers poll of the week for next week for a book that we will review two weeks from now. Cause this was a pretty short run up for us to get this book. Um, you can find yeah. it on Amazon. It's not available in uh, comiXology. 
Um, so that's the place where you're going to have to get it. My recommendation is if you want to watch a good Emperor Joker story, go and watch Batman, the Brave and the Bold, and the Bold Emperor baby. Joker. That is a fantastic episode. It It is it uses the concept from this book and turns it into a Batman book. Uh, but instead of Mixiel Spitalik, it's Batmite who gives the Joker the power. Right. And uh, Batman uh, thinks his way out of it. So I would recommend going to watch that. Do you agree, Matthew, or not? Uh, I agree that it's a better story. I think that the biggest problem with this book is there's too much that they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. They wanted to do a story that referenced cartoons, and they wanted to give the Joker the powers, and they wanted to have Superman inspiring Superboy and Supergirl, and we wanted to have the Justice League, and we wanted to make sure that we had Lex Luthor in it. And the thing that's really frustrating to me is when, once we get through it, you, you'll have this cycle of here's some dumb jokes, here's some dumb jokes, here's a brutal on-panel murder. Yeah. How do how do I all of a sudden you know we we're we're in a a Mark Wahlberg film where doopy doopy doop and then the Rock kills somebody it did uh, tonally it did not work for me and so a no no for me and no for you this is this is not no this is hell no this is the okay. book that put me off Superman for several years uh, after having read Superman for well from ninety three to about ninety nine straight through. And then I'm like, nope. All right. Rodrigo, what about you? Interestingly, um, having watched a lot of uh, Batman, the Brave and the Bold, I became increasingly annoyed at it because I felt that it was drifting away from being a cute kid show about Batman to mm-hmm. being very pandery to nerds. Right, right, right. right. Um, and, and I felt kind of losing sight of that. That said, I will absolutely agree that within that encapsulation, the Batman, the Brave and the Bold episode of Emperor Joker is way better than this. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that's a third for go watch that instead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for this installment of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Rodrigo. And thank you, listeners, for being a part of the Major Spoilers experience. If you have any questions, podcast at Majorspoilers.com. You can call the Major Spoilers hotline, 785-727-1939. And I would encourage you to check out the Major Spoilers podcast network master feed that contains all of our shows, including our brand new show, uh, uh, Lizard People, Dear Readers, uh, hosted by George Chimples and his friends. It's a book podcast. And remember, I've said I've been wanting to add a book podcast to our lineup for years now. And uh, here you go. And it's uh, served, served up by one of our own. So go check that out. It's in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network Master Feed. And of course, you can find all of our shows and all of our news and stories and content and all of us over at Majorspoilers.com. And until next time, I think we've got Dr. Peter Coogan back next week. I think based on a recent conversation before Comic-Con. But uh, if not, we'll be talking comic books because we know that you love comics. We do too. We will talk with you real soon. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. 
that away If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine Be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.